I'm Brian Barnett. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a doctor. I have no legal license in any field of psychology. But I did live a large part of my life with borderline personality disorder unknowingly. And I really did rid myself of the disorder completely and permanently. Through that, I've become an expert on issues involving emotional health. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for your feelings, thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and actions, including your decision to watch or listen to this show at all. But I do hope you might benefit yourself from the insights I share. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom, and this week I've got a really special guest, as you can see here beside me if you're watching the video. This is my first cousin, Jay. Hello, everybody. And uh, this is kind of spontaneous. I sent him a message this morning, and I was all fixing to sit down and talk about other things, and then uh, I thought, no, this would be better. This would kind of mix things up a little bit. So... Um, let me kind of give you a background on Jay. He, my first cousin, like I said, we grew grew up together uh, out in the woods. And then there was a time in his life where his parents had some problems and they kind of split up and they moved away from the woods. So we, we called it the farm, even though it wasn't a farm. Our, uh, I guess our uh, ancestors uh, farmed out there. So it still goes by that name. But uh, he ended up moving into town and and you know his life took all kinds of different turns and twists and everything and so i thought it'd be nice to get to talk to him and and interview him today awesome how old were you when your parents split uh, up? i believe it was 10 between yeah between 10 and 11. do you remember what grade that was in school Six, sixth grade that would have been yeah you would have been at the middle school by then yeah yeah that's when it so i guess they might have split up toward the end of the fifth but i know by the sixth grade that's when <laughs> it was done. That's when it. Well, that's when we started getting in trouble, and it was yeah. They were pretty much split up then. Where did you guys go to live when that all started going down? Um. Well, we were down in Diamond a lot, and then uh, well, we moved to Chillicothe for a couple of years, so we lived up there for a couple of years, and then in the meantime, we were just coming back and forth. All right, Chillicothe, Ohio. He's talking about, and Diamond is a. Uh, region of the nearby of the local town where all of the uh, our family on on my mother's side and his mother's side too lives and so uh, uh, all of our uncles and aunts and everything that lived down in that area called Diamond and uh, so instead of saying uh, going down to so and 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 so's house Diamond covers it all. Give them an idea of the that the house you lived on out in the out on the farm on the farm is a very old uh i remember one <laughs> at one point there was a picture in the newspaper of the oldest house and that and it was our house and i was just like wow. is that right yeah yeah i remember uh you guys did the the walls and the roof were not connected like you could crawl up and around yeah and then it, uh, you know, we had uh, we we had no running water or anything. We had an outhouse, which is not the greatest yard accessory when you're ten years old. It was a trampoline, I remember. 
but the uh so we so we had an outhouse <laughs> and then we take a, a bath in the pond nola's pond across the street and uh, street he says it was actually it's a dirt road yeah gravel road yeah across the way the trail down yonder yeah you know get i guess i'd paint a decent picture but i do remember uh your dad howard and uh with red take a bar of soap go down there into the the pond and bathe in the pond yeah i've since learned that that's terrible for all the that's terrible for water life is that Fish right stuff. yeah you can't the soap will kill them probably they were probably like ha you know they'd probably like run for the the borders of the pond every time you, your dad and red would do that yeah well luckily it probably wasn't very often so you guys had a pot belly coal stove yeah there was something you told me that when you guys run low on coal you'd mm-hmm. go out and dig it up you dig this stuff right up out of the ground what was that it's called coke coke yeah so uh, coke I googled it a few little while back. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it's kind of like uh, coal light. Yeah, right. But I think it burns hotter than than what coal does. And it, I mean, really, it just looked like a piece of uh, like lava rock is what it looked yeah. like. I mean, it was real porous and could break it up real easy. But yeah, so well, I had forgotten all about that. And then when you told me that, I remember you guys. It, you had it. It kind of like was natural to part of your uh, driveway there. Yeah coming up out of the ground yeah and there were some around back too where the grapevines and everything was right in front of the <laughs> right in front of the outhouse maybe it's a good environment for it you guys had the best plum tree ever growing right on the side of that bank plum tree was it plums where was the, where was this tree at it was growing right out like your front door on the side of the bank oh yeah yeah it was wasn't it uh-huh yeah and yeah there's a good pick yeah mm-hmm. um, there was there was all kinds of good um fruit trees you had there was a pear tree across the road. Pear tree, that thing still produces. Well, I, I stopped out there last year, I believe it was, and got a bunch of them there. Oh, did you right? Uh, a ton of them. I mean, there were tons of them. Are they not still rock hard like they used to be? No, they were. That's how I like them, though. Is that right? I mean, that's probably why. Yeah, but um, but I think if you 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 pull them and let them sit a while, they get softer. They start getting softening up like a. There was an apple tree up the road between you and uh, old man Andy. Yeah. And there's a, he had a hell, a couple of hellacious cherry trees there too. You're right. Yeah, I just forgot. They're, about they're that. real big black cherries. Do you remember that summer we went, we snuck up there and stole old man Andy's watermelons? <laughs> He'd probably been waiting patiently for them all. You don't oh, remember he, that? No, he was probably waiting to make some wine with those damn things. We took uh, we took those watermelons into a, uh, into the middle. He also had a a small cornfield. We took him in the middle of the cornfield, and I took out my Swiss Army knife and cut those up. We ate all his watermelons. <laughs> well, old man Andy was a a, a wino. Uh, he lived in a little tiny like camper trailer tucked in the woods, and he had a. I mean, it was like the hound of the Baskervilles. It was like a a hound from hell, man. It was a big black dog, always trying to get off its chain. And uh, my mom would cook a cook up a supper every once in a while and say hey here take us up to old man andy and so i'd have to go up this dirt road and uh face that big black <laughs> devil dog uh to give andy a plate of this food and he just wasn't there was he i mean you talked to him i don't quite remember 
I mean, I remember him, but I don't remember ever speaking to him. Or I mean, I'm sure I did, but it's just nothing it, that st- stuck with me. I could never understand what he was saying. Like he 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 mumbled, and he it just seemed like he wasn't really all there. But he was always drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, I don't remember having a lot of interactions with him, waving at him, and going up there and stealing cherries and apparently watermelons and shit from him. But but and then you guys had peaches between our driveway and your driveway you guys had all them peaches there uh-huh i remember that those things i remember them trees being so small but they were still producing they wouldn't even look like they would produce a, uh, anything yeah that uh my dad planted those trees and they laughed i mean after 10 years they still hadn't grown up too big but they were putting out fruit that's crazy uh, but they, they didn't grow yeah they didn't grow very healthy so when you guys left the farm and you guys went into town your mom went where and your dad went where dad i'm not sure but um i remember when they first split up mom got a job uh she was bartending at the moose lodge and um you know working second shift or closing or whatever and so that that gave us a great opportunity to just run wild and uh you know, and then we'd manipulate her also. And where were you staying? Like at nights? There we would. Uh, I think we were staying on Diamond at that time. Just at anybody's house? Just or uh, yeah. I don't really. I don't really remember, but probably pops. I would imagine for the most part. And then uh, you know, Bear Black lived right there, so we stayed at his house a pretty good bit. Oh, I forgot about him. That little kid with the long hair, long like American Indian hair. Yeah. And so we'd stay there, and you know, everywhere we were staying, it was uh, we was just you know, we by then we started drinking, smoking weed, and uh, you know, dead dipping our toe into the the pool of uh, you know whatever we get our hands on, really. Little kings started stealing, and what's a little king? You remember them little beers, little green bottle beers? They sold them in like eight packs. Uh-uh. Horrible. I mean, they're look like that tall, but I mean, it was some of the most disgusting beer you'd ever drink but you know you drink two of them you're you're hammered and when so, you're that age especially yeah they had real high alcohol content and then uh, but they were called little kings and they were in a green bottle how would they, you get them uh we just have uh you know friends go get them uh, bear's older brother doug would go get them sometimes or at that time candy's carry out was over here and you, then you could I just totally forgot about candy's carry out yeah and you could um you know they had a bar inside and so the bartender when a car would drive through you know they have drive throughs where you can drive through and they'll just hand you your beer right into the driver's seat so the bartender would be in their bartender when a car would pull up they should go out and take their order and then just go inside if no car came through then you know it's fine so what we do is we'd come in the back of it and we'd step over the sensor or jump over the sensor and just open the coolers and, and grab a bunch of cases and no uh, kidding and then just run like hell, plumb down to the railroad tracks, and then get up the road. No track. kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you weren't worried about any of the consequences of that? Well, I didn't want to get caught, but I don't, I don't, I guess that wasn't. You didn't uh, really take it serious. Didn't really take it serious. You know, I didn't. I thought, I mean, you know, I've always been going uh, to kind of do whatever I could for a laugh or whatever. And so that's always been my main focus and it's kind of been <laughs> scoring the laugh yeah and it's so it's, it's it's not a you like it you like uh d- does it make you feel good to make people laugh oh yeah i love it yeah it's, i get it's like a natural high i guess 
It's my favorite thing in the world, yeah. Brings me great pleasure. You you recently got back into comedy? I did, yes. You yeah, so stand up. Stand up on me, yep, yep. So I was I was doing I started it in uh April thirtieth of two thousand eight. April twenty eighth of two thousand eight I got my license for the first time and you know, it had been thirteen or fourteen years since I had one, so it was a hell of a good day. So I so I got my license on the twenty eighth and then I went, uh, this time I was living up in Dayton. And so I got my license on April 28th. On the 29th, I went down to, you know, we used to go hiking around all these trails or whatever. And so uh, we went down there and I was uh, smoking a joint, uh, celebrating, you know, that I got finally got my license back. I guess, I don't know, I was, I was 20 some years, you know, late 20, 28, I guess. And so... Um, so I was down there smoking a joint, kind of celebrating, you know, that I can, I'm getting my shit together. And then, but I didn't know there was a, a a park ranger was on the other side of the creek, recording me. And so, uh, really, yeah. And so then I go walking back up. What time of day was this? It was getting dark. It was it was almost dark. And there was a park ranger out there. Saw yeah. you come in. I don't know if he saw me or if he was just down there watching because there were other people or whatever. But by the time we came out of the woods, then. Um, it was uh it was just us and the park ranger sitting right beside the car and i thought well what the hell and uh you know we'll go up there and he's like i know what you're doing and i was like no you don't and he's like yeah i do and i was like he's like you want to keep lying to me i was like i ain't lying <laughs> i ain't lying i wasn't doing a damn thing and then he pulls out his camera and starts showing showing me the video but it was just you had it rolled like a cigarette or was it in a yeah, but there was other people there, and I was was passing it back and forth. Well, it'd be a hard time. It'd be hard to prove though that that wasn't just a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was uh, all the giggling, and then the, the, you guys got in the mood for snacks, and so you yeah, were... choking, and yeah, yeah, started <laughs> coughing and choking and stuff. And so, um, and, and so then I've uh, you know, way back when, if you get caught with weed, it was just a hundred dollar fine and court costs. Um, but but at that time, it also held an automatic license suspension for six months to you five years. You just got your license. I just got them the day before. And so then um, I was like, son of a bitch. And then I go to court, and I just uh, I just represent myself, and I say, you know, I just tell the prosecutor, look, well, I'll, uh, I plead guilty. You, uh, you hammer me on fines and then hold the maximum sentence over my head. I just don't want to lose... You know, whatever I could do to not lose my license. And so they went along with it. And he said, if you ever get caught uh, smoking weed in Greene County again, then we're going to throw the book at you. And I wanted to say, you got the book, you throw it, you son of a bitch. But, you know, I, but I didn't. You know, I was like, yes, sir, absolutely, I agree, 100%. You know, let me sign off right here. Yeah, and so uh, I forget what your initial question was. It was about stand-up. Oh yeah, so recently I, going back to it. Right, yeah. So I started it in '08, and then um, got pretty pretty busy, and then about 2017, as uh, toward 2018 was probably my kind of my last shows. I when I got, uh, you know, strung out on 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 drugs and just quit quit doing anything productive, and then uh, you know, so I started getting felonies again and all this stuff and so i um so i went to court so then uh you know so between then and uh july 16th 2020 i was just strung out hor horribly and um 
then on july 16th i went to went to court and uh went to jail and then uh went to jail and did rehab and that all that was about a year and then i got out in uh march 18th of uh 2021 there was a one day i was driving by i reckon it's the like the sheriff's office up there mm -hmm. it was either you or jared doing road work right outside the the building there and i wait you saw me it was either you or jared it must have been jared i never got that job when i was in there saw I, me and uh waved at me before i even saw him and i was driving by but and he, he had the stripes and he, yeah, orange he's, yeah he's like in the uh he's a trustee yeah. doing the mowing and right outside the sheriff's like he was on that side yeah of the building yeah hmm. it must have been jared then yeah i never did get one of them i never never got any of them good jobs when i was in in there i got in the kitchen you know which is great when you're in jail so now you do stand up and i mean you, you you've got to meet uh some pretty uh well-known and famous uh stand-up comedians and yeah oh yeah yeah a lot of them yeah a lot of them i've opened for a ton of them uh rob schneider um burt kreischer who's really blowing up right now um Tom Segura, Billy Gardell, uh, I mean, there's just a, a ton of them that goes on and on and on. When, when I come back to the area after being uh, away for 20 years, um, you you said, come on out, I'll get you some tickets, and you got me some nice tickets for, uh, I can't remember what the guy's name is. I brought a date, an Italian date, <laughs> and we went, and uh, she was, she thought that was awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, yeah, that got me some favors that night. <laughs> nice. That's what it's all about, you know. <laughs> I can't remember what the guy's name is. I still got the picture. I can look him up. Um, but I had seen him on like Comedy Central and stuff like that before. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, let's get back to the kind of like the emotional health aspect of all this. Okay. Um, I'm trying to tie in your past with your present. Okay. You know, so you guys, you had the divorce, your parents split up. How'd you feel about that? Um, how did I feel about that? Um, do you, can you remember back to how you felt when? when yeah, I remember, uh, I, I remember when it was start, start, starting to happen because, uh, mom must have told dad that it was over or whatever. And he was trying to get back in good graces. So I don't know where we were going, but it was just me and him and, uh, we were riding somewhere, and I said, uh, "I said, oh, I love you, Dad. I'm, I don't know. I must have been nine years old, maybe, or something. I might have been ten by then. But um, I said, I love you, Dad. And he said, I love you too, bud. And he said, and I, I love your mom, and I just want to, uh, you know, make make things right with her and everything. And then I, I remember uh, that having like a, you know, it, it kind of hit me in the gut because I, I could tell that he was upset." You know, and then many years later, I would understand what he was going through because I did the same thing, just go out running, partying, and acting a fool for a while. And then when the, you know, everything dries up and everybody else goes back home, then you're set there, you know, uh, licking your wounds and you got to kind of tuck your tail and head back. But but I remember it. Uh, With the consequences, right? Right, I mean, yeah. Just consequences. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> just having to, to go back and probably say you're sorry for the millionth time and you're not going to do it again. I mean, I did the exact same thing. But uh, but I remember it. Um, 
you know, it stuck with me because I, I remember feeling, you know, feeling sorry for him, I guess it was, or, or some sympathy or empathy or whatever it was. But I, that was the first time I remember actually feeling that for an adult, you know, because when you're a kid, you just think, and, you know, you just think that everything revolves around you because you don't really know any better because everything's handed to you and you you know everything's right there but you know that was kind of the first time that i've thought man it's you know maybe being a, a grown-up's got some downsides downsides <laughs> to it did you get to see your dad too much during those years um he was in in and out um he i, I know at one point at about that time so that might have been when he left and went to washington state and he was up there for Oh, a couple years, so I didn't really... I, I probably talked to him every three or four or five, six months, something like that, briefly on the phone. And then um, and then when he came back, it was, uh, you know... I mean, I just remember being so far, so so happy to see him and, uh, you know, and missed him and everything. And um, crazy feeling. But even though I, I always knew that, even if I didn't talk to him, I always knew that he loved us and... I always knew that he would do whatever, you know, I always felt safe with him and, uh, you know, even when he's, we, you know, we're always drinking and driving and which is, I guess a lot, I mean, it was kind of normal back then. Yeah, but, but I kind of got to put that in context for those folks who uh, live in the cities. You know, the danger associated with uh, drunk driving in a city is much greater simply because there's more opportunities for, to kill somebody. Uh, in uh, rural areas, you know, out in the country on the back roads and stuff like that, it's a uh, person mostly the risk is of killing oneself more than killing other people. So it was it was more common back then. Um, we're talking about the 80s and the you know, early 90s. Uh, it was st- you know it was really falling out of favor back then, but it it the dangers of it weren't as emphasized as they are today. Yeah, there were yeah there were still no seat belts i mean they were in the car but nobody ever wore a seat belt i mean you know we, we did have one of them station wagons and the, you know all the kids are in the back face in the back no seat belts kids climbing over i mean it was just cigarettes just blazing but it uh it, do, it was another world do you remember the first time so during this period of your childhood you're like nine ten years old your uh, your parents are split up. There's a lot of um, uh, instability in your life. Like you don't even know where you live. You right. can't even tell me where you live. Right. Um, this led to you guys running wild, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. Yeah. You guys start getting into trouble, stealing yeah. um, soft drugs at the time. It was like marijuana and beer and stuff. Yeah, like that. and some some pills, some volumes, and and. Uh, you know, so you get some Xanax was starting to come around then, but volumes were pretty common. But it was mostly booze and weed. Do you remember the very first major run-in with the law that you had, and what, um, how your parents reacted to that? Uh, there were. I mean, the first time where you got into real trouble. I mean, not talking about small stuff but you know it was it was a serious and uh, like like not not shoplifting or something like that you're talking about i mean when i got the first felonies i would have uh would have been 15 and that was uh aggravated burglary uh 
I broke into my girlfriend's house and stole all of her dad's guns. And then, um, and then really, I thought because I had been getting, you know, I, I got put on probation when we were 11. Uh, so, so we were all on probation when we were 11. Jeremy might have been Yeah, let me, let me tell him that, too. So Jay has an older brother named Jeremy, also my first cousin. These are all my first cousins. And uh, he had a twin, uh, identical twin. His name was Jared, and uh, we'll kind of work up to that. But So that's the, the trio right there that we're talking. When he's talking in plural, that, that's who he's talking about, his brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing good, good job filling this in because I would have just brushed over a lot of it. That's all right. But um, uh, so um, I remember me and Jeremy one time. You remember when Big Bear was out, you know, across town? Uh-huh. And uh, so we went in there and we were stealing cigarettes. Because at that time, cigarettes were just on a display at the front of the store. And, uh, you know, we were always stealing cigarettes, cartons by cartons and cartons of cigarettes. And then, you know, I would just always have all these cigarettes. And then I would give them to these older guys that, you know, I was 10, 11 running around with these guys that were 18, 20 years old or whatever. Probably because I always had cigarettes and I was making them laugh and stuff. And I just loved doing <laughs> love that stuff. But so we went out there and we were uh, uh, stealing a pack of cigarettes. Well, I, I stole the, put the cigarettes in my pocket, and, uh, you know, we walked around a couple minutes, and then I went to leave, and uh, as I'm walking out the door, this lady, like, walks up, and she was like a secret shopper, and, uh, you know, which you never heard of back then, but she walked up and grabbed my shoulder, and she just whispered in my ear. What's a secret shopper? A secret shopper is somebody that's just just looks like a regular person, but they actually work for the store, and they're for, they're like... They're pretending to shop. Loss prevention, yeah. And they're... Okay. Yeah. So they just look like a normal shopper, but really they're just keeping their eye on what's going on with suspicious people or whatever. Kids looking that's, at cigarettes. I never heard of that. That's a... Oh, yeah. That's, that's real common sharp, now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's real common now. But so um, I was walking out the door, and she grabbed my shoulder, and she said, I need to talk to you about them cigarettes. And... uh you know the the automatic door swung open. I could feel the wind coming in, and it, I, I mean, I got lightheaded. I about, I about about fainted from the because it just stress. Just it just scared the piss out of me, and uh, so like I'm I'm lightheaded. And she's like we're walking back to the manager's office, and I looked down and I had pissed literally. You real had scared the piss out of me. I had a pair of khaki pants on, and it, <laughs> you ever. If you spill a little bit of water on a pair of khaki pants, you can tell, you know. So I got this huge piss stain down both really? legs. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know that I did until I looked down. No kidding. And I was like, "What? <laughs> what the hell?" And I so then, insult the injury. Oh man! So we're walking back, and I just take his cigarette, his pissy cigarettes that are in my pocket now, and I and I, you know, she's kind of in front of me a little bit, and I just I I, t- I throw them to get rid of them. I'm like, oh, "This is no problem." Well, they must have hit just perfectly flat because it sounded like somebody dropped a two by ten and <laughs> they they, they smacked. smacked and kind of squeaked probably from piss on the cellophane and it uh and she was like oh we're gonna need them i'm like <laughs> i just want to see you pick if them they up if they hadn't made that sound she wouldn't have seen it i don't think so no no i think because she heard them and she turned around she said well we're gonna need those and then she walks me in and uh you know so it's just you met yeah uh, oh, just so now i know that my mom's gonna be coming not only is her son a thief, you know, he, he, he's pissed himself in public, and I'm probably 12 years old at this point or whatever. And, uh, man, it was, so I'm just telling these people, I'm like, ah, if you guys, 
if you guys call the police, I'm going to kill myself. And I'm just, I, you know, it was just my automatic, my defense. Well, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I just went, I'm going to kill myself. Probably because I, <laughs> probably because I wanted to die at that moment. But Here, you got, you got stopped. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. The sound. Sorry. And then, um, so then I'm sitting there and, you know, crying, trying to get my breath and everything. And then, uh, you know, then here comes my mom in there and, you know, she's just humiliated and I'm humiliated. And Was she crying or anything like that? Um, no, I think she was just embarrassed. And so the, they never called the police. And I thought it was because I was th- kept threatening suicide and this and that. But what? And in fact, were minor. no, it was because, uh, you know, my stepdad, Bob, played cards with the manager of Big oh. Bear at this time. So they, they were friends and they played <laughs> cards together all the time, which I had no idea. And so they just kind of... Uh, Look the other way. Or Look the other way. Kind of let it go. Yeah. Um, that was the first big... Well, I, that was the first thing that sticks out to me, but, I mean, there were other things that... So, how did your mom react to, to it? I mean, and did it get back to your dad, and did he say anything to you about that? Not that I can remember. I don't, I don't think... I don't know if dad ever found out, because uh, he was in and out, and then, you know, by the time he would get back there, we had done so many other things that that was just... So, it, on that occasion, do you remember... Do you remember at that time if your mom... Um, gave you some sort of specific punishment for it or what was the consequence of it did she just uh, uh talk mad to you and that was it i'm i'm sure that that was part of it and you know telling me that you know it embarrassed her and um but there know, was but no I, punishment i don't no discipline i mean i don't think so i don't think so i think you know by the then that's about the time we started running away also so so if we didn't like something, a punishment or whatever, when she went to work, we'd just, you know, when she came home at midnight, we'd just be gone, you know. And then so that that would only last. I mean, I remember one time I I had ran away, and so I'd been gone for, um, you know, I was supposed to be on house arrest. And um, so I, I took off with a buddy, and we're just out getting drunk, smoking the hell out of some weed, stealing a bunch of shit, and... Um, uh, we get pulled over, and the the police officer walks. Uh, he just walks up to the passenger window, and he says, "Hey, he goes, hey, uh, your your mom's looking for you. You need to go home." And I said, "All right, I will." I just and then he just let me go, and I never never went home. You didn't go home. No, 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 no. I mean, I, by I, that time I was just horrified, you know. And I remember, so me and Jared would we'd you know they get one of us crowd, and then the other one would take off. And I remember. Uh, our aunt Cheryl was with her one time, and she and we were driving by, and, she, and Jared was missing at that point. So she went and uh, and we saw him run across the street to this like dope house that we used to run around in, and uh, she like, pulls in there and beats on the door, and they're like, "Nah, he's not here." She's like, "Well, I saw him come in there." So like, they said he came in this door and out the other. So that was Cheryl. That was Cheryl. Yeah, I mean, were, and we were always so. Uh, I mean, we we were hellions, man. I mean, it. it it was horrible. <laughs> did uh, did anybody else in the family... So you're my cousin on my mom's side of the family. Um, did any of our uncles or aunts, Papa, did anybody pull you guys aside at some point and say, you know, you guys can't do this? Oh, yeah, all of them. Roger, Beetle, Pop, D, Russell, I mean... Sarah, Sarah, everybody, everybody did. Nori, George, it was everybody. They'd all have talks with you, but they couldn't do anything. 
Well, at that time, you're just like, uh, I guess, you know, I'm trying to... Well, I mean, they don't have any authority to do anything. Like, they can't... Right, just beat you. You know, I mean, Roger Roger whooped the shit out of me one time with a belt. I mean, give me a good beat. Really? Roger did? Oh, a good one. I, oh, yeah. It was a good one. From, I was from Bear Black's porch all the way down to his porch. Just one one right after the other. Holding on to you. Holding one on. End. Holding my arm. and My feet was going, but I wasn't going nowhere, and he just beat me. And I was probably 14 at that time. I thought, you know, I hadn't had a... What good, had you done to earn that, well, I was supposed to be staying down there, and I had snuck out the window or climbed out the you window. You were supposed to be staying at Roger and Cheryl. Roger and Cheryl's that night, yeah, or that weekend, whatever. And I climbed out the window, and 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 Jed and went out and partying. And so he, instead of just coming looking for me, he knew that we always came back to Bear. So he just sat there, waited you out, huh? waited me out in the car, pulled in, and you know, I got out, and he walked up to the front door. He said, "I <laughs> had the belt in his hand. Come here." <laughs> Uh, did you was it around that time that you guys started getting into the more serious stuff more serious drugs and yeah I'd say that's right about the time probably 14 years old or whatever yeah that's when the Xanax and uh, whiskey and um, you know a little, little bit of coke and because coke wasn't that common around here and you could get it but it was you know it wasn't like a it was uh, everybody had it or anything probably had to go to the city yeah well I got it I mean, somebody probably went to the city and got, excuse me, got it. But I, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was awesome. I loved it. I tried it. I, I loved it. <laughs> I did. It was. Uh, I tried it uh, on two occasions, and I can see why people. It, it makes you feel. I'll, it gives tell, you... I'll tell you why I tried it, and I, I think I've told my audience this before. I'm not suggesting that anybody go out and try drugs. I had gone through my divorce. I was starting to go through this recovery process. You know, I worked as a medical interpreter at the hospital for a long time, and I was working with this uh, patient one day, and the anesthesiologist is telling the patient, like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and he says, we're going to give you, uh, oh, it's cocaine. And I looked at him, and he said, yeah, it's cocaine. Go ahead and tell him. So I told the patient, we're going to give you cocaine. And uh, then later I got to talking to him, and he's like, we, we use it all the time in the the medical setting and we anesthesiologists use cocaine all the time we don't call it cocaine but that's what it is and I I got to thinking about that and I thought well (laughs) you don't have a bunch of people leaving the hospital addicted to cocaine right so it's not a it's not a physical dependency that occurs right away it must be an emotional dependency that people develop for for the thing just like alcohol yeah, I've been drinking alcohol for since I turned old enough to drink alcohol, and I've never been addicted to it. So it must start with an emotional dependency, which then leads to a physical dependency when it's abused. So at that point, I said, "Well, I'd like to try it," and uh, and so I did. I tried it two times, and it was fantastic. And how do they administer it in the hospital? Did you do it? It in was the a na- it was a nasal surgery, and yeah. so they uh, they apply it nasally through your nasal cavity <laughs> efficient enough yeah yeah, yeah maybe it's a uh you know it's a brief it's a brief or i don't know how long it lasts that way but yeah it only lasts like 20 minutes it seems like yeah yeah that's the and then they, they need more and more and more and then and then you do more and then next then the next time it'll last 
15 minutes and then next one will last 10 and then five and then you're just constantly doing it and that's how it yeah my my drug experience is very very limited like i said i i was already man i was on the verge of 40 when i tried it and it was more of like i just want to try it rather than this is something i want to do right you know i and i knew it wasn't going to be something i was going to be doing reg, regularly so i had like i had an opportunity to try it and yeah i tried it and then uh, I wouldn't do it today, not at all, not with fentanyl going around. Yeah, because everything's got laced with fentanyl. I would not. Yeah, I would does. not even do that. But uh, that was my like that, and I think I tried ecstasy, and that was it. Well, the that was the extent of my whole drug experience. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, it's I mean it's a good uh, a good a fair amount, and then it's I mean it's like. Uh, you know, as they say, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, you'll get a haircut. If you, you keep trying enough of them, you're going to find one that's, you know, hard, harder than hell to quit. Yeah. And but I know, think you're right. I think there might be an emotional addiction to it first. Oh, absolutely. Because otherwise, everybody who got anesthesia at the hospital would walk out, like, needing their next fix. Right. And that doesn't happen. People go home from after having that administered, and they never crave it again in their entire lives. Right. Um, <clears throat> but when you're talking about, there's two types of addictions. There's the emotional addiction and the physical addiction. If you abuse liquor or alcohol, you know, for a long enough time, it moves beyond just an emotional addiction. Whereas what I mean is that uh, you're using it for a long time to to drown out uncomfortable feelings you know our cousin Matt who recently died mm -hmm. uh, we, we have a cousin another first cousin who just died from uh, he just killed himself with alcohol if you've ever seen that movie with uh, Nick Cage what's that called uh, something in Las Vegas where he just drinks himself to death I mean that's that's what our cousin did he just drank himself until his uh, organs could not handle it he was dealing with some sort of inner to, to call it discomfort really is not sufficient. Trauma. Some intense pain, some yeah. intense emotional pain. And so he start, He would have started by using, you know, he, he was got involved with drugs and stuff too. But that, that's how it would have started, <clears throat> trying to drown out those um, painful emotions. And after being abused for so long, then the body actually develops a, a physical dependency. You got the emotional dependency and the physical dependency. Once you get to the physical dependency, it doesn't matter if you resolve the emotional dependency. You're beyond that. Right. Now your body physically needs it. It's like yeah. you need water or food. Yeah, that's why they have the shakes so bad. That's then... right. And so, you know, like the you probably know that the, the solution for a heroin addiction is to take another medication that basically... Blocks the receptors and the... Well, it gives you your fix. Right. But in a controlled way. Yeah. Yeah, methadone you're still addicted. You always will be addicted. It's like my brother with alcohol. Mm -hmm. He can stop drinking for 50 years, but he's always going. His he's always going to have a physical dependency on it. So that's why he can't go back to drinking it. Right. Yeah, I would. I I mean, of all the drugs I've done, alcohol is the one that I miss the most. Who boy? Who goddamn? <laughs> I I love booze. What were some of the others that you got in into? I mean, the ones that got out of control was uh, the meth and, um, I mean, the meth's the one that really got out of control, but the booze is, a, I mean, completely out of control too, but, 
did those and then um, acid and mushrooms and um, a lot of the opiates all the all the different opiates I mean luckily I never did try the heroin or the fentanyl um, and the main reason I didn't do that I'm mean, I guess there was a couple reasons but I knew that I would I knew that I would be addicted to it because I've seen it happen to so many other people but also uh, I knew that um, you know, and they, but it didn't really look that fun if you see somebody on heroin or fentanyl. I mean, they're just knotted out. I mean, they're just, I mean, it, it doesn't look appealing, but but what it does is it, it, it numbs you completely from all the emotional trauma that you've ever went through, whatever it is. I mean, it, I mean, it in, instantly they're, they're just numb. They don't, it's like a zombie. Let me get my sweater up. Yeah. I lost uh, two and a half pounds from yesterday to today, and I lost two and a half pounds from the day before to the to yesterday. Is that right? Yeah, I just started on Monday. By doing drinking coffee, water, salad. I have a I have a protein shake in the morning for breakfast. I have a protein shake in the afternoon for lunch. Now I have supper, which is like meat with uh, vegetables, maybe 500 calories. Little, maybe a little bit over 500 calories supper one glass of wine and that's it I don't snack or anything and I don't drink anything with calories in it so it's water and coffee and tea Again. and stuff like that man I gotta I'd love to get my weight under control well, I but I don't what I did. the first two days were rough I'll tell you because I, I mean I was pacing like my body wanted something usually what I do in the evenings is when I'm trying to chill is I will uh, I'll get a book out or get my guitar out or uh, put on a movie mm -hmm. and pour myself a glass or two of whiskey and that's the way I kind of like unwinding so when I go to do like a diet I know I'm going to be craving that so I have to have something if I take something away I have to replace it with something better right? healthier I mean so if I take away my whiskey, then I have to have, I know I'm going to be craving that. So uh, I just make sure to stock up on teas, um, coffee, uh, things like that. Does vodka have calories? Everything. Whiskey, all alcohol does? All, all uh, spirits have a lot of calories. and Because of the sugar? Well, they convert into sugar. Right. The alcohol converts into sugar. Yeah, so it's all carbs and... <sighs> <laughs> yeah it's probably why they're so good because it's all carbs oh man it is good I'll tell you I miss a good drunk I'll tell you <laughs> and that's another thing is that uh, for my diet uh, I cut out all, all carbs there's no bread it's all meats vegetables that's a hard one no bread that's a hard one yeah, tell you what I and mean, they're all hard if you just first two days are the worst I feel pretty good today and the coffee takes away your appetite does it yeah and it's it's actually um, negative calories because of the caffeine in it. You drink coffee if if you're just drinking it black. If you drink the coffee black, uh, it's got zero calories, but the caffeine will actually burn away calories that you've already is that right got yeah. So. Huh. Anyway, so you uh, Jeremy, your older brother Jeremy, you, yes, he's a uh, probably the the hardest living of all of you. 
even though we should get to the point, I mean, we should go ahead and cut to the chase that your brother Jared died here recently. Right. He uh, died of an overdose two years ago. Uh, yeah, April about. two years, yeah. Um, yeah, overdose, fentanyl overdose, yeah. You want us to tell us about that experience? or I mean, <laughs> yeah. remember, it, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Yeah, and no, I don't want to if it gets too personal or something, you want me to cut something out later, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. All right. Um, so, yeah, so I guess the so, so, uh, way it got started, I guess I'd have to go back to when I was in rehab. Uh, so when I'm in rehab, I get a call from... So so when rehab, you get, um, uh, you get your phone on certain days. So, what, what, so when I went to jail, I, my charges were... Uh, possession of meth, heroin, cocaine. I had a bunch of Percocets and Xanax, and then also syringes, um, and then uh, receiving stolen property and tampering with evidence. <laughs> Seems like a lot, but if you think name all the charges I didn't get charged for, man, that just not that. Anyway, so then that's what I'm. So I'm in rehab for all this, uh, the drugs or whatever, and then um, on you know two days a week you get your phone like on wednesday evening you get your phone for two hours or hour and a half whatever it was and then on sunday you get them from like 10 in the morning till five in the evening or, or something like that and so i get my phone and uh turn it on then i get a call from uh my girlfriend she said that jared had uh overdosed and they were taking him to the hospital uh, so he overdosed at my house and then they were uh you on know fentanyl well, this time, yeah, it would have been... Uh, would did have been did he know he was taking fentanyl or was fentanyl laced in something else? No, he knew. Yeah, he knew. And so, um, uh, so so they take him to the hospital and um, they call me and then I they give me a pass so I get to come home. This is on January 11th of 2021. And then, because uh, that's my mom's birthday, so... Uh, we come to the house and then uh, you know it's still COVID going on, so they're not they're not allowing me down to the uh, hospital to visit him or anything. And so you know eventually you know through, so everything goes. I haven't heard anything. They said that he's stable, and then the next day he just uh, he just shows up at the house. So he had signed himself out of the hospital, and he showed up back at the house and he was wanting his. Uh, I, I was in the shower and I come out of the shower. And my girlfriend comes in and says. Jared and uh, Eric's in the uh, bedroom shooting up, um, which is a, a you know one of our best friends, Eric Fess, who he just overdosed and died from fentanyl also uh, just a couple months ago. But um, so I get out of the shower and I go in there and they're uh, you know trying to hit themselves or one of these drawing a shot up. And I said, I said, man, you gotta, you guys gotta get the fuck out of here. You can't do that shit here no more. And, uh, you know, I told Jared, I said, man, you're going to end up fucking dead. It's going to, you're going to fucking overdose and it's going to kill you. I said, Jesus Christ, you just got out of the hospital. You know, I said, mom's on her birthday is worried to death thinking she's going to have to bury you because they didn't think he was going to make it. And uh, I remember he says, no, it's not, I'm, I'm not going to die. He said, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, get this shot. I'm trying to get Eric to hit me. And I said, where are you just going to? I have to go somewhere else and let him hit you and um and he and he left and uh, i remember feeling horrible about it i mean i just felt like that i had just you know i just felt 
horrible that I just ran him off, but also I was, you know, just, I still had to go back to rehab that day, and it was, you know, I didn't, well, you know, I was trying to get the shit away from the house, and, um, uh, so, so I feel horrible about that, then, um, uh, then I go back to rehab or whatever, um, I bet, you know, and then every time I get my phone, I'm calling him, and I'm, begging him to go to rehab and everything and uh and he's uh, just keeps saying oh, i will i will and i will and you know so now we're in uh march so it's like mid-march i'm getting ready to get out and uh i talk to him and then finally i can i talk him into going to rehab so i get out on march 18th he goes to rehab on march 17th i did a completely different rehab than i'm in so, so the day after or the, the day, day before, before yeah. yeah so the day before i get out he goes to rehab and i'm just uh, tickled to death you know I'm thinking man I'm just you know it's just a relief that I didn't have to worry because every day I would every time I'd get my phone uh, the first thing I would do I have this app I think I've showed you that called mobile patrol where you pull it up and you can see everybody that's booked into the jail so I got into the habit of just always checking out every time I got my phone and um, to see if he had been arrested or whatever and so I'm thinking man it's you know I think it's just gonna be a, a relief that he's uh in rehab so he goes to rehab and then he's down there for uh, about a month or so and uh, he had called me a couple times he's like I come and get me I'm done and you know I was like I just hang in there or whatever and so he uh, he sits in there for about a month and then he gets out he leaves somehow gets his way back to uh, to town and then he um, does the full time in rehab or no he leaves early and they, they uh, pissed him off so something pissed him off and so he left and then um, so he comes to the house and, or no he doesn't come to the house not not first he, he calls um, says he's about to leave I call the rehab they say now no he's taken off already so I have no idea where he's at and then he just makes it back to town then he comes over and uh you know he was staying at the house when i was in jail or whatever so he came over and get some clothes and stuff and uh took a shower and so this would have been two nights before he before he died and then um uh you know he's just in the bathroom he's got his bluetooth speakers cranking jam and everything's good i uh you know i try to feed him i forget what he ate he ate something but I remember that he asked me, he said, must have been chicken salad from the store. And he said, do you like uh, chicken salad with pecans in it? And I said, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't think I've tried it. But So now every time I eat chicken salad, I remember him asking me that. It's just weird that I always, it always you know, whatever goes back to that. But so uh, the next day, uh, someone gets a hold of me and says, uh, Jared overdosed and I uh, said we had to Narcan him and you know then I get a couple more people Jared's overdose had to Narcan him bring him back so this is like all different all different times different so times right this so this is uh, becoming a, 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 a uh, an increasing pattern oh yeah yeah and this does not scare him into well I think it uh, I, I think at that time you start once you get in that slump you think that because for the most part, the times that I've seen people overdose, I've been around it a, a million times, and I've had to Narcan people. I've seen people with their lips blue, and you got to bring them back, and it takes an hour to actually get it. I mean, you basically bring them back from the dead. 
and you th- they, they, they're not awake they're just asleep you know so they have no recollection of any of it so I mean uh Maybe if they saw a video, themselves. they saw a video, it'd be horrifying to them. But they're, you know, and in their eyes, it's a, it's peaceful, and it's, and they keep being getting saved. So it's, you know, so it's like uh, you're flirting with disaster, really. But so, but so there's like four people, five people uh, that told me they did different overdoses. So I called him. Uh, so this would have been on April twentieth. Uh, I call him and I say, uh, like, hey, what's going on? He's like, not much. I said, I said, are you going back to treatment or what? And he said, yeah, I'm going to. He said, uh, uh, I'm just waiting. I said, well, I, I heard you overdose a couple of times. And and then he goes, uh, who who told you that? And I said, oh, I said, it don't matter. It just, I said, but just gotta go, get back in treatment and do better that way you know nobody's got to worry about it and he said i'm going to and he goes let, let me call you back and i knew he wasn't gonna call me back he was just wanted to get off he wanted to get off the phone he was pissed that somebody told me and then um and it's embarrassing too when the, you know it's, it's it's humiliating and you're and you're ashamed of yourself and um and so we get off the phone and uh so this put it back into the morning of uh it was a Wednesday morning, about four o'clock in the morning. I wake up and I just grab my phone and I go to check on. I text him and then uh, he doesn't message me back. Then I message him on uh, Facebook Messenger and I uh, say, uh, "What are you doing? Just checking on you, make sure you're all right." And he said, "He said, yeah, I'm good. I'm just over here at uh, this guy's house." He said, "We're just kind of pilfering through shit in his attic," and um, he said, uh, "But uh, I'm all right." And then, uh, like I said, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning. And then at 7 o'clock in the morning, somebody's beating on the door. Uh, you remember Charlie Tindall? No, it's one of one of Dad's friends. But um, So he's beat, Charlie's beating on the door, and he said, he's like, J.J., uh, Jared, you know, he's he's overdosed. He said, the ambulance over there working on him now. And, uh, um you know, and it's just out the back door of my house. It's just 200 yards. It's right there. I showed you the one day we used over the house where it was at. It's just right there. And then um, he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't, I don't, he said, I think he's gone. And um, I said, well, I said, what do I need to do? He said, he said, call the police and talk. I said, you know, tell them who you are. And so I called the police station. I said, yeah, I, somebody just told me that you guys are uh, ever working on my brother. And they said, uh, they said, uh, yeah, he's, uh, they're leaving with him right now. And then I ran to the back door and I, I didn't hear a siren. So, you know, I, I knew then that he was gone. And then within two minutes, his wife calls me and she's screaming and, you know, and then it, it's just, it was just a horrible day. <clears throat> Folks, that brings us to the end of part one of this interview with my cousin Jay. I hope you'll join me for the next episode where we'll follow up and finish up this uh, very interesting and special interview. Have a nice week, everybody.